Welcome to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best lives and advice on how you can achieve that too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. It's gonna have to be a different man. may change me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new version of Changing the Rules. We have an an unbelievably great and interesting guest today, and he's going to show us how to stay healthy and how to stay wise and how to do things that just make a lot of sense as we grow older. Uh, Before we get there, though, I want to make sure that everybody remembers that uh, changing the rules is about people who we think are the luckiest people in the world. And the luckiest people in the world are those people who sit down, map out their own lives the way they want to live them, and then implement them and live them under their own terms. And in order to do that, they often have to understand themselves and know who they are and where they want to go before you can implement that kind of lifestyle. But when you do, all of a sudden, you have control of your life, life becomes wonderful, and you can take the time to follow what's fascinating and motivating. And whether you're still working or whether you're in retirement or wherever it is, uh, life is pretty good. So today we have David Bernstein, MD, okay, and we're going to focus on the MD piece for at first. So uh, David uh, spent most of his life as an internal medicine guy, and I think he came from New York, but he practiced down in sunny Florida. So good morning, David. How are you today? Morning, Ray. I'm doing great this morning. It's lovely to be here with you. And you did start in New York, and you did get down to Florida because you were smart, that right? Is, well, you know, you're a financial planner, and you know that people retired to Florida. I just did it in the reverse order. I'm, I moved here so I didn't have to retire down here. Oh, okay. So so uh, what David's going to bring to the table today is David actually has written two books. And uh, the books... Uh, deal with two different time spans in our life, I think. But let me mention one other thing. Uh, David mentions in his PR material all the time, his wife, Melissa. Uh, Melissa's not joining us today, right? Uh, She's in the kitchen cooking. Oh, okay. Developing a new recipe. So you're going to be well fed. So she's an important part of this. And don't be afraid to bring her into it when you... uh, add the pieces that she contributes, because I think sometimes we focus on who we are and we don't think about the significance of our significant others as we go. So, so David, the, uh, one of the book titles that you have, I have to come up with this, is I've got some good news and some bad news. You're old. Thanks. I needed that this morning. So comment on how did you start with that and and what is that about and where are you going to take us in this new venture towards health and wisdom that you're putting us on? Well, thanks for asking about my book. I've got some good news and some bad news. You're old. And the subtitle is Tales of a Geriatrician, What to Expect in Your 60s, 70s, 80s and Beyond. And what I was able to do is distill down the secrets of success of my patients as they aged. And I did it by talking to my patients. They were very generous to me. And also I went out into retirement communities um, and would give presentations. And as I started, I'd ask for a show of hands of what their secrets were. Um, Ultimately, I distilled it down 
And I wanted to distill it to five things because if people can remember five things. I have five fingers in my hand, five family members, basketball teams of five players. So five is a good number. And, and I've always used, utilized that. And, and what I discovered was the acronym GRACE. Now, people can remember that word, too. And it stands for goals, roots, attitude, companionship, and environment. And, and so just briefly, people who had a goal or a purpose in their lives, whether it started earlier or even late in lives, they were the happiest, most um, engaged people because they had something to live for. Uh, they knew their roots, their DNA, their family tree. Um, they had strong family connections, so roots were important. Attitude, but the attitude of companionship, uh, of, of kindness and gratitude were incredibly important. And, and I have m- one of my favorite stories was about a patient of mine named Jack in whom I discovered his prostate cancer. Um, we had related on many other issues and my taking care of his cholesterol, his blood pressure, and, and I diagnosed his prostate cancer. It was treated. He was cured. And I would still see him every three months for the other thing. And, and every time he came in, he expresses gratitude. And, and for me, it was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy that I did that. But I saw the expression on his face of expressing gratitude. It was like, wow, I've made this guy's month just by coming in for him to tell me I saved his life. And to me, it was kind of a kind of a mundane task. But I focused and read more and more about how important expressing gratitude is and what it does inside our bodies. Uh, and then so there's that the companionship. Having a companion in your life is incredibly important. Um, it may be as in, unimportant as helping you go to a doctor's visit or telling you, hey, you got a cough, go to the doctor. And people who have companions or, or are married live longer than people who don't. And then interacting with your environment, the E is, it's what you put in your body and where you live. And, and you've mentioned to me on, on more than one occasion, the peaceful area you live in. And, and that has a favorable impact. Um, I live in a pretty peaceful area and I make it my business once a day to go out in my garden and my yard and look at my amaryllis coming up and, and some of the other flowers and bamboo and, and, and I feed the birds. And, and so being with mother nature and being in that proper environment is really helpful. And, and, and that's what helps people live long, healthy, happy lives. So when in your life did you start paying attention to uh, the book part? You know, I, I know you were in this thing all the, all the way because your patients kind of dragged you into things as they went through their lives. But when did you sit down and say, you know, I really need to pay attention to this and maybe start putting this thing in a book? You can do this in age or, or status in life or anything, but give us an idea of when you started thinking. Well, I'll, I'll give you some chronology of my life because there were points along the way that that happened. Uh, I was born on Long Island. Uh, my father was a combat wounded World War II veteran. And I learned about determination and having a goal and a purpose from him. Uh, my mom um, was a caretaker for her parents, my grandparents, and they received poor geriatric care as they aged. And my mom said, you're going to become a doctor one day. You better be nice to people and do a better job than these people. So that was on my list. In high school, um, right as I was doing my college applications, I saw a National Geographic magazine. 
with a centenarian on the cover. I've never forgotten it. And through the powers of the internet, I have that cover uh, that I see, and I have it on my screensaver, I have it on my desktop. So wanting to know about centenarians and how people did that and how people achieved that. And then the one final thing about writing was the high school commencement speaker had graduated 10 years earlier, and I was on the committee that found him, and he was a writer. And, and he's published, as a ghostwriter, 25 bestsellers on the New York Times list. So it, in the back of my mind, it was, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to know about older people. And, and then as you go through the job of being a doctor, um, you hear so many stories. You got, I'm going to write these down. I'm going to write a book. And uh, many people say that, but nobody does it. But I had that goal from being exposed to this writer, whom I've subsequently had a relationship and know now. And so um, that became part of what I did. And about 15 years before retirement, I wrote my first book. It took about five years to do it. It took nights and weekends and putting things together and 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 like mind mapping how I was going to come up with the secrets and and who were the subjects in my book. Some were family, some were not. Um, and what lessons they taught me and how I was ultimately at the end is like, I got to incorporate these things in my life because these people taught me all these things, goals, roots, attitude, companionship, and environment. And, and so um, it's a big part of my life. And, and it's a big part of what I would do in retirement because I always wanted to serve man and there'd be my catalog of books. So, so you did this while you were fairly young and in practice. And a lot of the thinking here was not just for older people. The older people were involved, but it also included thinking about some of the younger patients that you had too. Is that correct? Sure. It was an opportunity after I wrote my book to expose them to the secrets that these other people had and how they could work on incorporating those things that goes beyond my prescription of a blood pressure medicine, a diabetic medicine is like how to give those instructions to people because they weren't readily apparent out in the atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a little later, you got out of your practice. You did this R thing, the retirement thing, right? And did you have your plan when you did that? Did you have it pretty well thought out as to what you were going to do and how you were going to do it? Um, great question, because I, I had written my Power of Five book also before retirement, and, and I wrote a very small book about senior driving to get senior drivers to be cognizant that they have to give up the keys at some point. Um, and then I started working with my wife, who's a uh, occupational therapist. I know you wanted me to bring her in the mix I did, here. I did, I did. But, but, but uh, um, she, she helped coordinate some things, and she had been in the online education business, so, so she helped consolidate my writing, and I put this catalog together of books and, and, and knew that in retirement, I would have an opportunity to um, uh, um, market my books because it really wasn't time for the marketing part when you're working excessive hours and the hours got longer and longer with the enhanced demands of, of primary care. Um, so um, I, I had planned that there would be a catalog of books and the retirement day came and I said, okay, now what are we going to do? We're going to 
work on this. We're going to meet up with this guy in Philadelphia and figure out how to market this. And uh, I didn't even tell you that another colleague of mine asked me to co-author a book with him about a geriatric handbook. So I spent some time doing that. But I I wanted to make sure I had um, activities and a purpose and a plan on my plate because that was an important part of what I learned from my patients about having uh, uh, goals and a purpose in life. And then, then it, it's, it's evolved into taking all this knowledge, my wife and my combined 80 years of experience and teaching that information to people and sharing it and, and getting them to incorporate it into their lives so, because it makes a difference. So how, how do you live this? So I, I know you go to the gym on a regular basis and work out. Okay, and you work out with the younger crowd, not the older crowd, right? So give, give us a sense of, you know, we're going to get a little bit more into the, uh, the five S's, I guess, uh, from your second book. But before we get there, uh, you crafted your own retirement plan, in a sense, of what you were going to do. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you go through every day and, and how you handle stress and how you handle uh, physical uh, staying in shape and all of that other stuff. Glad to. Um, the power of five uh, talks about five elements. So um, I'll have an opportunity a little later to talk about them. But but I work on incorporating them every day. So I think of a Pentagon, which I have on my book, and it, it has my five S's. And I work on making sure I incorporate every one of those five S's every day. So uh, one is about sweets, and it's a euphemism for what I eat. And I know and understand plant-based diets are probably the healthiest and, and sugar is really hazardous. So I avoid those things. Uh, if I can express one more thing to your audience about what they eat is processed foods are really hazardous. Uh, they're full of either sugars or false sugars or high fructose corn syrup. Those create inflammation. So there's, there's the eating component. And my wife and I talk about what we're going to eat each day and have a uh, weekly meal schedule, particularly for dinners, about what healthy meals we're going to eat. And and part of this is we don't eat out very much because she's such a good cook and such a good shopper so that we have lots of fresh fruits and vegetables in our house. Um, so that's the the eating lifestyle. I, I avoid using the D word, diet, but it's an eating lifestyle. And, and then there's a sweating lifestyle. I get up every day and say, well, what's my exercise for the day? It's going to be working out with my trainer for an hour on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and coming home and doing my um, uh, Peloton for 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, on the alternate days, I, I work out in terms of flexibility, particularly for my bad hip. Um, I work on the stress component by meditating once or twice a day. Um, sitting in a quiet environment. As I mentioned to you, I'll go out and walk among nature um, and get um, a soothing spirit from that. Um, Sleep has always been a hard part of my life, being a doctor and getting awakened. And and, um, that was a a two and a half year process of getting better and better about sleeping, going to bed on time, setting alarm and, and getting up on time, trying to get my seven or eight hours. That's still difficult. And then the final S in my formula is S for sex. So I have a wife and we're sexually active, but it's also about socialization and it's about connections. And whether you live in a a community, retirement community out in the woods, 
Um, having a connection to other people is incredibly important. And we now know in our society that loneliness, which exists and it's gotten worse uh, over your your lifetime and mine, um, is, a, is a health hazard. It's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being obese. And, and so wh- what do I mean by that is, is that when you and I were growing up, Sunday was the day you got together with your family and you'd have a family dinner and you may have relatives over. And now we're scattered throughout the country. So we don't see each other the same way. Then there's a smartphones. People connect now by smartphones and sending text messages and don't really relate to one another. And then our kids spend so much time on uh, looking at a computer screen that they lack the socialization and those connections. And so in, in this time in my life, I have made it my business to interact with other people and meet and make new friends. And, and it's been joyful. And I don't hide anything when I met a guy named Bob. And I said, Bob, you and I are going to be friends. Um, you're not integrated too much in the community. We're going to have lunch or coffee once or twice a month. There's a guy who I see in the gym who I've known a long time. We have lunch couple times a month and we set it up on our calendar. Uh, um, and I've done this with many other people, some of whom were an opportunity for me to try and uh, market my books and my business, but, but others are getting together and getting acquaintanceships because it's incredibly important to find that genuine, um, that genuine connection. Yeah. Wow. So one, you know, but while we were talking before we went on the air, you were talking a little bit of about uh, one of the people in your exercise group that uh, was having hand problems and things like that, and, and and you know, here the doctor comes back again. So what did you diagnose in this case, and what was it? Well, um, when when I was putting together my Power of Five formula, I, I started trying to figure out what was creating contributing to the aging process and how we can turn that off. And it had to do with inflammation. And there are three diseases that create inflammation uh, or that responsible from inflammation as heart disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative disease. And, and sugar creates inflammation. So the man had said, oh, my hands ache. And, and the trainer said, well, what did you do? And he said, well, I had this alcoholic beverage that had sugar in it on, uh, on the holiday. And then my joints ached like crazy. And the doctor part of me said, do you know that Sugar and alcohol both are inflammatory can process, and they're going to create inflammation in your body, and that's probably what happened. And um, by the way, get your uric acid checked because you may have the starting of gout. And after 40 years of medicine, you kind of look at somebody and say, yeah, there's a good chance he, he could have gout. And, and, and because of the way he just was shaking his hand. Um, uh, when I work out with the younger women, you know, and their backs hurt, you know, it's like, or knee pain, I can't help myself sometimes and interject a few thoughts. Okay. So the doctor is still the doctor and will always be the doctor, right? You know, Ray, that is so right. <laughs> and, 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 and if I have to deflect a little bit in my practice, when I had people who were registered nurses come in, especially if they were older than me, uh, because their education was really classic. Um, and they would talk, I said, look, 
I know you're always a nurse. You will never not be a nurse. You will always try to fix something and make something better. Um, that's just what nurses do. And yeah, it's kind of true for me as a doctor. It's like trying to make people better. Okay, so uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, and what we're going to do so that people get the names of your books is we'll put up your website and everything else in our uh, podcast notes so that people can find them. But I want to summarize with something. So uh, I'm sitting here, and I listened to you for the last uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, and I'm saying this is one of the luckiest people in the world. And if you think about it, here you are, you have taken this phase of your life, at least, and you've designed it for you, okay? I think what you do is you follow what's fascinating and motivating to you along the line, and that keeps you engaged and motivated. You go back to your strengths in medicine and everything else, and you're still applying them. And I, you know, welcome to, you know, these are the people I like to hang around with because they're the people that are always fun to be with. They're excited about life. They're moving forward. And you found those things to kind of fit in there. Uh, I know I don't eat as well as you do. I certainly don't sleep as well as you do. But I am excited about life. And welcome to the luckiest people in the world, David. Okay. So do you have any parting comments? We've got we got time for a parting comment. What do you want to say to people about life or anything? A few things. Number one, Ray, you're an inspiration. Um, And and the two other things I would say is it's never too early or too late to start doing these things. Uh, The power of five incorporating my concepts of grace and your role. And also uh, they have to be done with intention. If, if I didn't wake up and, and didn't have a plan and didn't have intention, they wouldn't happen. I would turn on the boob tube and, and watch something terrible for a few hours. But I have an intention every day that I got my 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 Pentagon of five things that I want to check off, uh, including the final S of sex socialization, which might just be something with my wife or it might be having brunch on Sunday with four or five friends coming over. So it it has something to do with that. That is the secret of life and longevity. And one more thing that's really important is a really big difference between lifespan and health span. And so uh, if you were uh, as a financial planner and someone only did what they needed to do to make the 65 and retire with chronic disease and live to be 85, but couldn't get out of the house because their knees were bad and they were obese or they didn't take care of themselves. Yeah, they would live, but you want to have the health span and you want to live to that final number, 85, 90, whatever it is, and go to bed and that's the end and and not suffer from the chronic illnesses and chronic diseases that we see every day. So that's a big component of of the power of five. Yeah, you know, I and I want to get you back sometime and talk about health span because it's great when you get to be 65 and everybody says you're going to live for 20 years, but what's the quality of that life and how much of it is spent in a nursing home or in a wheelchair or something like that? So uh, I think that's a big part of what you preach and what you talk about and the kinds of things that you're telling people to do to not get there. So again, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, We'll talk again sometime soon. And uh, David Bernstein, uh, The Power of Five, 
Uh, don't forget Melissa's in the background over there keeping you healthy and making sure you get published. And Ellen, it's a great time to sign us off for the day. Thanks much. Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules. Join us next week for more conversation, our special guest, and to hear more from the luckiest guy in the world. It's gonna have to be a different man. Time may change me.